Hello and welcome to the Balancing Act podcast for working mums. Here you can find the tools and inspiration you need to overcome the constant juggle and live with more simplicity, ease and fulfilment in your everyday. I'm your host, Debbie, a balance coach and a working mum myself, and I'm super happy to be here with you. Hello, a very warm welcome to episode number 44 of the Balancing Act podcast. And today I have another absolutely fabulous guest interview to share with you. This time it is with the incredible Dr. Galara Vincent. Um, Galara is not only an international best-selling author, um, but she is a, a talented healer, a coach and a mum of two. Um, I find this such a fascinating conversation covering a pretty wide range of topics, some that feel, you know, light and easy to digest and some that go really pretty deep. We talk about Galera's own career change story from being a university lecturer to a well-respected healer, um, which on the surface might seem like quite an extreme pivot. The importance of self-acceptance as the basis for everything else that we want in life. Um, So I really hope that you enjoy this and take a lot from it. Please do get in touch with either myself or Galara directly um, if you have any reflections or questions to share. You can find her her social links at the end of the episode and also linked to in the show notes. So enjoy. Good morning, Galara. Um, (laughs) It is fabulous to have you here on the Balancing Out podcast. A very, very warm welcome. Thank you so much, Debbie. Thank you for having me. So, Galara is, uh, I guess, first and foremost, um, an international best-selling author as of just recently, um, and it is—it's been so wonderful to be able to see you bring that aspect of your talent into the world. You are a woman of a very wide-ranging talent, and I guess you would describe yourself at the minute as a, a relationship coach but um I know from seeing your work that it actually spans an awful lot more than, than just that title um so maybe to start off with you would be able to tell the li- listeners a little bit more about what life looks for you like looks like for you at the minute okay so first of all in terms of relationship coach uh, to me everything is relational in life so whether we are relating to our partner, relating to ourselves, relating to money or our work situation, it's all relational. It's how we relate. It's not about the other person or the thing. And in terms of my life, I feel really privileged to help women who are struggling in their relationships, who feel stuck for whatever reason. And sometimes you do the inner work, you come back to yourself, you heal your own wounds, and then something in the dynamic changes and sometimes the relationship goes. So it depends on um, what's for the highest good of that particular person. I live in South Devon and uh, it's a beautiful countryside in Dartmoor area. I love writing. I'm working on my second book at the moment. And um, that's briefly about me. 
I am a mom of two, of course. Oh, fabulous. <laughs> Last but you... not least. <laughs> <laughs> what are you two of your two kids? Say that again. Sorry. How old are your two kids? Uh, they're six and eight. So oh, still a handful. Oh, yes, yes. And lots of entertainment, I'm sure. Um, amazing. I love that. So I think that the thing that really comes across for me there is like recognizing that there's choice in the relationship as well, both with ourselves and our outside relationships. Um, so I love in your work how much of your own personal story that you share. And I wondered if maybe you could tell us a little bit more about that and um, for for background and I guess what's led you to like really feel that passion for the work that you do today sure and uh, it's interesting you say there is a choice it feels like there is a choice and when we have some deeply ingrained patterns it doesn't feel like a choice especially when you've been stuck for so long um, my background is in trauma healing and so which is which is part of my own journey of healing, because I come from a background where there was a lot of dysfunctional relationship dynamics in the family, very painful, you know, domestic violence was a norm where I was growing up. And so I had to heal quite a lot of those patterns to get to where I am today. And um, it's been a very rewarding journey in terms of expansion that comes with that healing. So if you look at where I came from, a little provincial town in Azerbaijan during the Soviet era, um, I managed to um, study law first in Azerbaijan and then I came, I did master's in European law at the University of Birmingham. I was very lucky to be funded. And then I did master, uh, I did PhD here, taught at universities. So it's been in terms of career path, I felt like that was the only way I could validate myself in life. That's where I got recognition, respect, validation. And so it felt incredibly important to overachieve in certain areas of my life, whereas my personal life suffered dramatically because I just couldn't choose better, right? Like I kept choosing partners who reinforced my wounds, who really push those buttons that made me feel so worthless and unhappy. Uh, I had significant sexual trauma when I was younger, so there was a sense of um, worthlessness, deep fear of intimacy. So it was very charged, and it felt like there was a split in my life where I would go to work and I shine, and then I come home and I feel very disconnected, numb, shut down, just getting by really in my marriage and I, I was married to a good man it wasn't like he was doing anything wrong but when you are disconnected from yourself the other person can't really give you what's missing you know like no matter what what they're doing the void that you carry inside um doesn't give a chance doesn't give you a choice in terms of how things pan out and so through doing this inner work of healing old trauma, my life now is incredibly different. I let go of a university job. I hang on for years, even though I knew I really liked it. I used to love it. And then I really liked it. And it gave me a sense of, again, that recognition and validation and financial stability. But it wasn't filling me up from within. It was very heady. 
Um, it was quite stressful, high intensity, especially once the kids arrived, your priorities change. And I um, realized and recognized that I was a talented healer. So doing healing on the side, um, in addition to a full-time job and having two young kids used to feel exhausting. And so letting go of that job, now I feel like I'm living my best life. I am in a relationship with an incredible man where the connection and communication is so open that anything goes, but have a flashback from the past. I can just sit down and talk it through. Like there's nothing held back. It's all clean and really authentic. So that's a little bit about me. Oh, what a story. What a story. Like I can really feel that like in, in my stomach and my chest. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. And I really want to acknowledge you know your bravery and, and courage, not only for doing the work that you've done for yourself, but also now like sharing that because I think there's so much power in being able to share our stories with others and you know, maybe other people being able to hear it and relate to even, you know, small snippets of it, like that could be enough to change someone else's life. So I really acknowledge that and like respect that a lot. So thank you. Um, I think that there were so many like interesting themes that you picked up on. I think the first being that idea of patterns showing up on in our life and especially around the theme of choice so I choice is something I I speak about quite a bit with um, my clients and um, my community and I like to put the slant on it that like we always have a choice but sometimes it doesn't feel like we have a choice because we would never choose the alternative if you like so you know we would like as busy working mums we can always choose how much time we spend with our kids but like we're never going to choose not to look after our kids for example so it always feels like those things have to take priority and in that then ourselves we always go down the priority list and until we're able to like open up to more choice and experience what the alternatives feel like there's often you know it often doesn't feel like there's other tangible options out there um so I'm really glad that that you picked up on that that aspect of choice and 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 then with the other aspect of how like the past trauma can impact that too yeah um so I think also what you said about the about the job is really interesting too and about how you were looking for like the validation and and things from that I'm really interested like at what point did you like did you start um exploring healing as as a career as such like what was the I guess the trigger point for that I I did some training with somebody called Brandon Bays and uh, she healed a basketball-sized tumour in her belly but, and developed these amazing techniques that really help emotional and physical healing. Um, amazing, mir- miraculous stories of people healing from all sorts, including cancer, etc. Once they tend to the emotional wounding 
that's stored in that particular body part. And by then I'd been doing years of therapy. And what I recognized is that all this talking thing is great. It teaches you how to express yourself, your emotions, but it doesn't necessarily get it out of your cells, out of your system. And so that was the start of my journey as a healer because part of that healing process was practicing and giving. And so anyone and everyone who was willing were my guinea pigs. So I, I, uh, I yeah, very generously shared uh, for, for, for a number of years where I kept practicing and honing and um, seeing the results and feeling inspired and encouraged by people's shifts where something really dramatic can happen where you've got some physical ailment or you're trying to buy a job, buy a house and it keeps falling through or, you know, really helped several friends and then gradually grew into the place where I felt the confidence of, you know, calling myself a healer, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> it's one thing yeah. that you are a healer. And so it's been quite a journey of opening to that possibility and uh, the choice of being a healer over a university law lecturer, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, been, it's, been a, it's been a very healing journey in its own right. Like what I, again, everything's relational, right? So how we relate to our clients, how we relate to our business, it's like an extension of ourselves. And people keep mirroring to us uh, what's going on in our world. So for me, it's been an incredible opportunity to use this as a as another way in into my inner world. So if, for example, what I charge doesn't feel in integrity uh, internally, it will always be mirrored by the client, whether it's too little or too much, it'll show people come back to you, right? So um, I love healing work because it constantly helps me to grow from within. Mm. yeah so much of that I resonate to I'm sort of um like I I think there is a place for business strategy like as a business owner you know you need to have a strategy of some sort but I think that all business strategy almost is completely irrelevant until you have like you have the personal like development or the personal growth to be able to back that up like I think there can't be business strategy without personal development first um so yeah I love that the the other thing I I appreciate from your share there was I think it feels like quite a dramatic change to go from a university law lecture to being a healer and and I'm sure that like the relationships that you experienced in those two environments were were quite different as well and I imagine you know, maybe there was some discomfort along the way. Um, but it strikes me that you were able to take those small steps and just keep on taking those small steps. And at some point, all of those small steps then added up into something, into a much bigger change. Yes, it does. It, sometimes it's incremental, isn't it? Like we want to make a big change shift in our lives but we're not quite there yet i i'm incredibly grateful for my job because it funded all these amazing opportunities for a long time yeah um apart from anything else but it also gave me that 
financial stability and security where I wasn't dependent on the money coming from healing. So I was able to relax and play and allow and let it grow organically to the point where I felt that actually I trust that money will come. So it wasn't even to do with how much I was earning through my healing work. It was to do with that inner trust that life has my back, that no matter what, money will show up. And that has been the turning point where I was able to say, okay, thank you, universe. Thank you, university. Now I'm ready to go. Um, It's been a journey in terms of two different environments and how I kept trying to bring more of myself to my university job so that I don't leave my healer self at the door every time I walk through the university gates. Uh, I, I was a welfare tutor I was I was interacting a lot with students and I was able to bring it a little bit through the back door so it wasn't exactly walking around and healing people but it did you know you can't really leave that aspect of yourself at home (laughs) so it still comes through and I'm sure some students appreciated that Mm, absolutely Um, it was frustrating not to be fully (laughs) yes yeah to be like straddling the two worlds almost um so I would love to be able to ask you some questions about like your current work related to um I guess some of the challenges that I have found myself in the past and I think many of the the listeners could relate to so I I typically work with busy working moms who who are juggling it all and quite often there's a real challenge there about having like sufficient support in place And what I see is that there's two aspects to the challenge. The first one is like ourselves knowing what support we need. Um, And then the second is being able to ask for that support in a way that feels good and that doesn't end up in like a spiral of you know getting into an argument or like criticizing another person or something like that um and so I'd love to know um you know what what you have to say around around those topics and how your work might support that challenge I think with the first aspect where people say they don't know uh, and to me it often boils down to is it safe to know we do do know deep down if you really are honest with yourself what your heart is longing for we do know it's just we don't let ourselves acknowledge that because we believe it won't be possible or i'm not allowed to have that or it's too much or whatever the story goes with that and the stories often come from the childhood we might have Pick those stories as a child, you know, like if you want something and your parent says, no, stop it, you're being too selfish, share it. Or, you know, you're not allowed, we can't afford that. We can't have that. You can't have that. So we we really absorb those stories and then we become an adult. And every time we're at the choice point, we become that child and we tell the same story. I can't afford that. I'm not allowed to have that. And we replay them over and over again. And so even when it is possible to have what you want, somehow we stop ourselves 
we don't even allow ourselves the possibility, for example, it doesn't have to be the whole thing. It could be just a little part of it, but we are not allowing ourselves to go there because at some point we weren't allowed or it wasn't safe. So healing those core stories can have a dramatic effect on your ability to know and articulate what it is that you want. And not just that, but also have it open up to the possibility of having it. Um, some of those stories are not even ours. It could be from your family stories, from your ancestral line. Like in my family of origin, martyrdom was really, really uh, valued. Like my grandmother, till the day she died, she said, I haven't lived a day for myself. And I used to say, Grandma, it's about time. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Today is the day. <laughs> and it was like, she, it, martyrdom was really glorified. You know, like being selfless and giving all of yourself to other people was a good thing, right? And I, I assume for some listeners, it might be religious background or cultural background or family background where that used to be the thing. And now we're doing that thing. And I remember the first two years of when I had my son, I didn't sleep. I didn't do anything for me. It was like just hovering over him and covering him with a blanket all night long and like feeling quite frazzled the rest of the time and grumpy and yeah, not, not particularly good mother to be honest, because I just was so under-resourced and under-supported. And it, and it, it, one day I woke up and it was like, actually, I'm really not serving him. I'm really not serving anyone by doing this. I need to put myself first. He's a Valentine's boy. And I tell him, you are my messenger of love because you taught mommy how to love herself first. Mm-hmm. So I started doing things for myself and suddenly everything became more visible. You know, like my connection and relationship with everybody around me was more positive because I had that resource in me. So the first point is heal the stories that make you behave like that. Maybe dig deeper, examine where does this story come from that I'm not allowed to have what I want. Maybe journal on that or um, explore it in more depth in one where you'll be amazed at how many stories come from other people and you've internalized them and now you're living them. And the second point about articulating that, again, if your expectation is that you're going to ask for something and they would say no, your whole nervous system goes into freeze or whatever your response, whether you fight, maybe when you feel unsafe, when somebody rejects you. And sometimes no can feel like rejection, like rejection to self and not just to that thing you're asking for your whole nervous system is going to be activated. Now, there's a lot about nervous system out there where you, you know the amygdala, you're either in safe mode, you're really relaxed and chilled and all is well. If you ask from that place and there's no charge, there's no kind of tension around asking for what you want, then the response that comes is really easy. And whatever the response is, it just kind of comes and flows out, right? Like it's not personal. But when you are in your fight or flight or in your freeze mode and you come to your partner and ask something, their nervous system reacts to your nervous system. They don't even react to the words you are saying. <laughs> you came with that tension and you're like, I want that. 
they are going to respond to that tension and not necessarily to your words. And so to me, the whole thing around communication and connection boils down to feeling safe. If you feel safe in your body, in your system, then everything else becomes possible. And whatever the outcome of it is more digestible somehow, is more palatable and possible to handle. I don't know whether that resonates with you. Oh, yeah, it totally does. So I think um, what I love about that first part about catching these stories, like I think like that is so it's just like it's it's almost essential I think for you know that that feels like the real foundation of this you know of starting this change and one thing I notice is how much of a distraction busyness can be because when you know as mums with this very long to-do list, we get into this like autopilot mode where we're just moving through the list from one thing to the next, just like ticking off the list of chores and things that need done. And there's no space within that to be able to stop and like reflect. And you even just take a few seconds to check in with how our body's doing. Like, is our heart racing? Is our stomach clenched? Um, and I think until we know how to slow down, then we're not able to like delve into those reflections. And I think that that's, that's like a real motivation for me behind my work, like supporting mums in how to actually slow down mm-hmm. and be able to start on, on that path of, of that journey. So that was the first thing. The second thing that you said about the the feeling of safety in our own body and being able to communicate like is so, I think, also so pertinent. And um, it's been a really interesting journey for me this last six months since leaving the corporate world. So I always really, really struggled with presenting in the corporate world. And I can really relate to that, that, you know, there was nothing like, unsafe if you like about that environment I was just standing up in front of my colleagues who were all lovely people but it just felt so nerve-wracking and I had this real story about how I couldn't articulate myself I wasn't very good at communicating and and now that I'm doing work that I love it just the whole environment feels so different and what has really helped me this year was doing taking up singing lessons so like I never I only started it you know totally unrelated to my work just because I I always thought I couldn't sing it felt fun just to try a new skill but the skill that it's taught me is very much around breathing and being able to like use my breath to create volume and do to be able to sing and slow down to take pauses when I'm singing mm-hmm. and so having those skills really then translates into the like knowing how to get myself into you know a place where I, I feel this like um calm centered approach as opposed to the like racing heart rate so it's been those it's been a really nice compliment to those two things coming together to like transform this story that I've held for so long about not being articulate and not being good at communicating. So 
For anyone listening who maybe feels, you know, that they're really resonating with the, the topics that you've talked about and um, particularly this, this aspect of, you know, connected relationships starting with ourselves, um, what would you offer as like one small tool to, to be able to, to start with to explore this a little bit more for themselves? Sure. So what I often suggest to my clients, something very simple, because when you are in that frazzled space, you can't really remember complicated tools you've learned somewhere. Um, I, I, I have many, many tools at my disposal, but when something overwhelms me and I become scared or upset, it's almost you identify with the younger self and that younger self doesn't have the access to those tools. And so they all go out of the window. So something as simple as skin-to-skin contact, hand on your chest, that it immediately calms down your nervous system. Feet on the floor, three calming breaths into your belly. It's almost like re-centers you. And then you're able to come to that communication or connection from a more relaxed place. And then the connection is more possible because you are more relaxed. So keeping it simple in those critical moments where a child is throwing a tantrum or something, coming back to yourself. And I find this hand on chest so, so helpful in any circumstances. Um, I'm doing that with you just now. And I just love it. It feels so comforting. I do, yeah. I do that quite a lot myself and it's just like it feels it feels like a blanket almost like an instant blanket to put around you doesn't it exactly and then just kind of reassuring that part of yourself that's scared because that's mm. when we get frazzled and you were talking about distractions earlier and how busy we are and those distractions are just coping mechanism for us right like they they take us away we we talked about digging into the stories it sounds obvious, you know, but often it's very difficult to go there on your own. You need a guide. You need somebody to hold your hand because those are tender places where the wounding happened in the first place. And we are not always able to hold ourselves in that place of wounding. It's almost like we need somebody else to hold us and witness us and support us. And so you're the women who are in your community are very lucky to have you on board to help you. To, to help them come back to themselves and be able to slow down. Because when you slow down enough, you can see the bigger picture. You can see, you can have a perspective on life that's not possible when you are distracting yourself with too much social media or Netflix or cookies or whatever that might be. But not to judge yourself for when you go there because it's just a coping mechanism. It's, it's something that can help you to get through another day. But to remember that at some point it's worthwhile to stop and pause or slow down enough to tend to whatever's driving that behavior because the behavior is not going to drop away unless you look at what's underneath those distractions. Why? What's so painful that you need to distract yourself? What does feel unbearable that you have to go 100 miles an hour and not feel it? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, I totally feel that. Like, it's so true. And I think that this is why, like, I think for both of us, our, a shared passion, I guess, in supporting people in how to do this, because I think that I feel so passionate about the message of, of slowing down. But it's to me, it's quite similar to the message of, like, love yourself. You know, mm. we know in theory that that it's a great thing for us, but in terms of how to actually do that, that can be the challenging part. And that's the bit that I love bringing to, to other mums. Um, uh, yeah, this has been, it's been such a, a gorgeous conversation. I've really, really appreciated it and really appreciated your openness as well. Um, and I'm sure that that will be very much appreciated by the listeners as well. Um, so by way of wrapping up, could you share how how we find you online or or on Amazon, for example? <laughs> yeah, luckily there's only one Pilara Vincent. <laughs> uh, it's very easy to find me on social media and on Amazon if you just search for my name. It'll pop up and I would love to connect with you. And if you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Um, I just want to finish off with, with a note around, you know, when you are, you are going really fast, there are stories. There's stories of if I stop, then I'll be destitute. If I stop, I'll lose my job. If I stop, I'll lose my family. If I stop, you know, so... So if you can just bring a really compassionate and gentle attention to those stories and see them for what they are, they can then drop away. And the more we see them as stories, I have a really good teacher who says everything in life is a story. Choose a good one. <laughs> oh, I love it. What a fantastic quote to end on. This is beautiful. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Galara. I know um, you, you have a very full schedule and I really appreciate you dedicating some of it to us. So it's been wonderful. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Balancing Act podcast. If you'd like to connect with other working mums just like you who are seeking more balance in their everyday, then come join us on the free Facebook community, The Balancing Act for Working Mums. If you've loved what you've heard, I would be incredibly grateful if you could rate and review the podcast on your favourite platform so that we can spread the word to all the working mums out there looking for more balance. Until then, I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. Bye for now.